Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to Breath of Pragma. This is Dr. Dennis Daniels, and the song you were just listening to is Celebrate He Lives from Fred Hammond, a wonderful song celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome to Breath of Pragma. My name is Dr. Dennis Daniels. I've been a lung doctor serving the people of the United States of America for over two decades, and I'm a faithful servant of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here at Breath of Pragma, our sentinel verse is Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and it reads, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living thing. In Job 33, chapter 4, it reads, And the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The breath of life is the one and only thing that came from inside the Lord himself directly into us. When you were born, something made you take that first breath. It was the creator of everything. So those who are atheists among us wants us to believe that we came from a gorilla. And if that's the case, then why are there still gorillas and who created the gorillas? Some want us to believe that perhaps we came from aliens. And if that's the case, then okay, but who created the aliens? And some say, well, you know, we came from a rock that just showed up out of nowhere and then exploded and created everything. Now, when was the last time you saw something explode and create? The only thing explosions create is destruction. They destroy, they don't create. But then moving along that same line, you have to believe that that explosion created things and the things that came out of that explosion include ultimately a puddle of water that had minerals and electrolytes inside of it and lightning that just showed up out of nowhere. And this water got hit by lightning and miraculously caused chemicals to stick together and form something as complex as DNA. Now here's the kicker. They want you to believe that that DNA made from this primordial soup hit by this mystery lightning bolt that had to come from somewhere. Who created that? Where did it come from? But did that lightning bolt made the DNA that makes a sea urchin and a pineapple and worms and trees and spiders and you. They want you to believe that your great, 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 great grandmother came from the same thing as a worm or a spider or a maggot or a shark. And it doesn't make sense. The father of evolution was Charles Darwin. And most people are not taught or, or even study what he wrote after his second trip to the Galapagos Islands. But after his second trip to those islands, he said he was wrong. He said what we're seeing is adaptation and not the development of new species. We on earth have never witnessed one species changing into another. As long as we've been here, no one has ever documented a gorilla getting pregnant and giving birth to a human. No one has ever documented a shark getting pregnant and giving birth to a frog. It sounds stupid, but that's what people believe. You either believe there is a creator 
where you believe that ridiculous story they try to sell you about a rock showing up out of nowhere and then creating maggots and creating everything. And they and the people who believe in evolution believe that their own great-great-great-grandmother or great-great-great-great-grandfather is a worm or a virus or, or something that makes no sense. So that being said, the Lord created us. Uh, Einstein proved that space, matter, and time are all connected. And, and you can prove it right now. If you have a penny, that penny is made up of material and it is exist at a certain time and it is existing in a certain space. It's taking up space. Now, if you say to that penny, I want you to exist, but you're not allowed to have time. Okay, well, the penny has a space and it has matter, but when would you put it? If there's no time, if there's no time, it doesn't exist. If you say, okay, the penny is going to exist in the year 2023 and it's going to exist in the United States of America, but there's no matter to make the penny. Well, you have a place and a time, but no matter. So there's no penny. You have to have time, space, and matter all occurring at the exact same time for anything to exist. It's impossible to have something that exists but has no place, time, or matter that makes it exist. So it has to be made up of something. It has to take up some space somewhere. And it must have time. It must exist at some point in time. And only something outside of space, time, and matter can create the stuff that's inside space, time, and matter. And that's something outside of space, time, and matter is God. That is the creator. The rock that atheists believe showed up out of nowhere, well, it had mass. So where did that mass come from? That rock had to exist at a certain time. Well, who created that time? And that rock had to have energy to explode. So it had to take up space. It had to be made up of something. And it had to have energy. So you understand that they are still saying that something had to create this rock. So there is no other solution. There is a creator. Something outside of time, space, and matter created us. And if you want to believe that God put a rock there and then the rock exploded, well, that's not how he says he did it, because God says in the beginning, so there's time, God created the earth and space, and therefore you have time, matter, and space. So God created everything. In, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning is time, heavens is space, or the, the space for it to, look, to be located, and the earth is matter. So in the beginning, God created time, space, and matter. It's that simple. So having said that, uh, the next step is, well, some people want to try to act like Jesus Christ wasn't the Messiah. There is a doctor named Dr. Peter Stoner. Peter Stoner. And Dr. Peter Stoner orchestrated a study to determine the likelihood of one human being, any human being, fulfilling 48 prophecies of the Old Testament that the Old Testament said must be fulfilled for that person to be the Messiah. So there are prophecies in the Old Testament that predict the coming of the Messiah and tell the world how to recognize the Messiah. And the probability 
of one human fulfilling all 48 of those prophecies that they evaluated was one in 13 trillion. Now that's a trillion, 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 trillion. If you were bored listening to me say that, imagine like how many zeros there are behind that. 13 trillion, one in 13 trillion. That's how likely it is it is for any human being to fulfill just those 48 prophecies. And there was one human being in the entire existence of the earth. The entire existence of time, there's only one that was documented to have fulfilled all 48 of those prophecies. And his name was the Lord Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the son of Mary and Joseph, the one who was baptized by John the Baptist to become our great high priest. There are two more names that I want to give you for your studies, and then we're going to discuss some medical stuff. Uh, one is Dr. Theodore, Theodore Cabal, C-A-B-A-L, and he has a five-minute YouTube video where he just basically breaks down the irrefutable evidence of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then another source is Dr. Gary Habermas, H-A-B as in boy, E-R-M-A-S, Dr. Gary Habermas. He has multiple videos. Some of them are over an hour. He has a really good one that called that is titled um, Actual Evidence Jesus Rose by Dr. Gary Habermas. It's only about 30 minutes long. But what they say is they got these historians together and based on archaeological findings and historical writings and things like that that we find, history is real. We know that Abe Lincoln exists because we have history that proves he exists. Well, we have that same evidence for Jesus Christ. And that evidence proves that Jesus did miracles, and even the people who hated him admitted that he did miracles. In fact, they watched him do miracles. That's why they couldn't deny it. The easiest thing for the people who hated Jesus to say would have been, he's not a miracle worker. But because so many people saw the miracles he did over uh, uh, that three-year period of time or more, they can't deny that Jesus did the miracles. So instead of saying he, 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 since they couldn't say he didn't do miracles, what they ended up saying was he did miracles in the name of the devil. Well, I got to tell you, if this guy is making blind people see and healing seizures and making crippled people walk and bringing people back to life from death, you know, I don't think those are bad things. I don't think he's doing that in the name of evil. He's clearly doing that in the name of the God who created everything. And these are people who hated him, who had to admit that Jesus did those things. And the other thing is for 40 days and there were something like 500 documented witnesses and more. Those are just the ones we, we know about and more who state that Jesus was resurrected. So he was confirmed dead for sure by people who hated him and then resurrected three days later. And these are all historical facts. So, you know, we, we believe um, in Socrates and Plato. Well, how do we believe in them? We don't have photographs. We don't have recordings of them. How do we know they were there? 
We have more historical proof that Jesus lived, did miracles, was crucified and resurrected than we have for Socrates and Plato. There are some people who even argue that Socrates was made up by Plato because in that day and age, if you wrote things that were unpopular, then the death, the penalty was death. So some people actually try to argue that because we have so little evidence of Socrates, that Plato actually made up this fake character so he could say the philosophical teachings that he wanted to say and share without the threat of being killed. But we have more evidence, way more evidence for Jesus Christ. If the evidence we have for Plato and Socrates weighs five pounds, then the evidence that we have for Jesus Christ weighs 5,000 pounds. So these are all undeniable facts. There was no magical rock. There was a creator outside of time, space, and matter who created everything. You can't be inside the computer and create the computer. No, God was outside of those things. That's why we really can't understand it and comprehend it. But it's a much better answer than saying there was a rock that just showed up for no reason whatsoever and exploded and created instead of destroying. And I'm sorry, but we should be finished by now trying to act like Jesus did not do witnessed miracles over a period of time witnessed by many and that he wasn't crucified. People, even, even the skeptics and atheists have to admit that Jesus lived, did miracles, and was crucified. So having said that, um, <clears throat> we believe in the breath of life that was given to us by our Lord and our Creator. And, and we believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. And reasons like this we cite every single week, week at Breath of Pragma, where we want you to love to breathe and breathe to love. So let's get into our, our medical minute here, uh, sponsored by Executive Pulmonary Medicine. And if you are looking for a lung doctor or a sleep medicine doctor, you can visit them at executivepulmonarymedicine.com. Or you can go to our website, Breath of Pragma, and you can find a link there as well. And our other sponsor, Dr. Poppy, who is uh, the hormone whisperer. She specializes in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy for men and women. She also specializes in fertility. Um, and I will admit to you that I'm a bit biased because she is my wife, but I watched her do miracles. And it's funny because we'll be out to dinner and somebody will come up and so happy to meet her and so happy to see her again. And they'll say something like, your wife got me pregnant, you know, and it's kind of funny. We all laugh. But um, the classic story that I hear when she comes home is that she runs in the patients who were seeing many specialists, you know, some of them five or six specialists, and none of them were able to help her help the, the woman have a baby. They come see Poppy and, and Poppy helps them get pregnant and they, and they have babies. So God has blessed me with the ability to help people breathe and live and talk and spread and use their breath of life to spread pragma love. And he has certainly gifted her with the ability to help people with their hormone therapies and also help people with fertility because there's something different about doctors who are doing this for because it's their passion because they love God and and my wife and I that's where we stand so yes I'm biased but I'm also speaking the truth so <clears throat> you can look her up at drpoppy.com and um, I will have a link to her website placed on the breath of pragma website 
So you can also go to Breath of Pragma to find Dr. Poppy if you're looking for fertility or hormone replacement therapy. Now, with that being said, let's have our medical minute. I want to talk to you about emphysema and emphysema specifically. Now, I want to be very detailed about this. and I'm going to split some hairs here. There are three ways your lungs can go wrong. And you can go back and look at our and listen to our first show and our second show. And I believe even our third show to try to learn more about the pathophysiology and the physiology of the lung because we covered all of that and you can see that all on our website but one way the lungs can go wrong is difficulty breathing air in and that's restrictive lung disease like if an elephant is stepping on your chest or if you have scar tissue in your lungs to the point that your, your lungs can't expand anymore um, and then there's difficulty with diffusion that's your lungs ability to absorb oxygen and allow that oxygen to go into the bloodstream and then finally there's something uh, a disease process where, we, where a human might have difficulty blowing the air out or they have wheezing. And those diseases are called obstructive lung diseases, difficulty blowing air out. They're short of breath because they can get the air in, but they just can't get it out. That's called obstructive lung defect. And one of those is COPD. But there are many different types of obstructive lung diseases. Now, COPD frequently gets overlapped with things like asthma, bronchitis, and one specific one I want to bring up today, which is called emphysema. Emphysema simply means that you have little bubbles forming in your lungs. The air sacs get stretched out. And because these air sacs get stretched out, the air gets trapped inside these bigger bubbles that are forming inside your lungs. These bubbles inside the lungs are sometimes called blebs or pneumatoceles and the way you diagnose them is a CAT scan. Honestly, that really is the only way to diagnose them is either a lung biopsy or a CAT scan. There's some things that can happen that might lead us into thinking they have emphysema, but emphysema is a type of COPD that results in destruction of the lung tissue. And I want to try to explain this part where it'll help us with two things. Number one, you know here at Breath of Pragma, we always try to point out evidence that proves evolution didn't happen and there is a creator. Well, let's talk about something called alpha-1 antitrypsin. So alpha-1 antitrypsin is a chemical that is made in our bodies that basically stops our bodies from digesting itself. So whenever a human being eats foods, chemicals such as trypsin get released. And trypsin is an enzyme that dissolves tissue. And there's something called elastase. Elastase is an enzyme that dissolves tissue. So we talked about the anatomy of the lungs being like a sponge, where it has little tiny holes in it. But if you have too much elastase or trypsin in your lungs, those enzymes will literally start to eat away at your lungs and those little holes will become bigger holes. And those bigger holes will trap air in there to the point that the human cannot get the air out. And so if a human being has a problem with their alpha-1 antitrypsin, the elastase and trypsin 
run rampant and they can destroy your liver, they can cause skin diseases, and they cause emphysema. And when it's really bad, it's a genetic disease. And when it's really bad, if you have the bad form of that disease, you know, you get liver disease and lung disease at an early age and you die early. It's almost like having something like cystic fibrosis, which is another genetic disease that is an, uh, an obstructive lung disease, um, among other things. But here's my point. The first person that had alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, well, the first time they ate a meal and trypsin got released in their bloodstream, that trypsin began to eat away at their lungs. And as you know, if your lungs get eaten away, you can't live. In fact, to treat people who have alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, we have to give them an infusion of alpha-1 antitrypsin so their lungs don't get dissolved and destroyed. It also affects their liver and it gets more complicated. Um, it's not just a simple straightforward explanation as to when it affects the livers. It doesn't dissolve the liver, but this abnormal uh, chemical builds up inside your, your liver if you have alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. But I can tell you, humans that have liver disease and humans that have lung disease, they don't look attractive. They don't know how to hunt to survive. They can't outrun animals, try to kill them, and they can't catch an animal that they need to eat. And they certainly are not in any position to make babies. So the first human being that was born without alpha-1 antitrypsin, well, they died. And without alpha-1 antitrypsin being present at the instant the very first human being was created, then they died. Darwin himself said that if there are any complex processes inside the human cell, then this makes evolution impossible. Now, I want you to remember he said that. That's the father of evolution, and he said that. We now know that inside a human cell, there's RNA and messenger RNA and transcriptase, um, transcriptase. there's DNA, there are vacuoles, uh, the sarcoplasmic reticulum, the mitochondria, literally hundreds of chemical reactions and, and, and literally machines. Some people describe the human cell as being a microscopic city. That's how complex it is. And Darwin himself wrote, since the cell is a very simple, basic thing, and you have to remember at, the, at Darwin's time, we didn't know what we know about the human cell now. But he said, if the human cell has complex processes, then evolution is impossible. Well, thank you very much. Darwin, because he is no longer the father of evolution, he is the father of creation, because his own observations said that evolution didn't occur, that what he was witnessing on Galapagos was adaptation. And he himself said, if the human cell is made up of complex processes, then evolution is impossible. There's a thing called animals that defy evolution. You can find it online and other sources. It's called animals that defy evolution. One quick example. If you take a giraffe, you see how long their neck is. Now, I want you to ask yourself a question. If you take a giraffe's neck, just from the head down to the shoulder, and measure how much blood is in that neck, a couple gallons, two gallons, then you look at how small a giraffe's head is. 
Their heads are tiny. So when that giraffe bends over to drink water, all the blood from his neck rushes into his brain and it would squish his brain and cause his head to explode because there is gravity on planet Earth and we can't deny that. And the water is on the ground. So the giraffe has to bend over to drink water. So the next time you're watching TV and you see a giraffe bend over to drink water, you have to ask yourself, why didn't his head explode? It didn't squash his brain because the very first giraffe that was created actually has valves in his neck to stop the blood from rushing to the brain when he bends over to drink water. And that, my friends, is proof of creation and not evolution. Because the very first giraffe that was born without those valves in his neck died. So the very first giraffe had to have them, not develop them over time. Those had to be present for that giraffe to live and to be healthy. I really hope that I'm helping some people. And if, you, if you're helped by this program and you want us to continue, if you have questions or subject matter that you want us to cover, please don't hesitate to contact us at Breath of Pragma, P-R-A-G-M-A breathofpragma.com. There's one verse that I try to mention every single week. It's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. It's time for us to end this week's program, but I want to encourage you. Say hi to people. Be nice. Make eye contact and wave. That's the beginning. Just those simple things can help spread pragma love. And there's not one of you who's listening to this program right now that wouldn't love for people to just be nice to you. Well, you start that chain. You start that pragma movement. Pragma, it's a movement. I'm telling you, it's love. It's a movement. They asked the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said, love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. In Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 10 it reads and so i prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army you received the breath of life because you are that exceeding great army you have the most powerful gift ever given man, which is the breath of life that came directly from the creator of everything into our lungs. The power of life and death are in your tongue. Use it wisely. Use it for good. Use it to spread pragma love. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.